Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. There's a handful of things that are really important for a company to understand and to know before they get started with any sort of marketing initiative. The first one would be, what is it that they're advertising? What is the offer? <laughs> You'd be surprised how many times we're working with a client and, and we say, okay, what is it that you're actually offering? What are we advertising? Is it a free ebook? Is it a uh, consultation? Is it uh, a phone call with one of your reps to learn more about your service? And the amount of times I've gotten just that blank look of, uh, I don't really know. What, what am I advertising? Uh, how are we going to get people in the door? That's obviously uh, the priority number one. What are you going to actually advertise? Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Nathan Barnes. Nathan has 10 years combined experience of project management, event logistics, customer service and media production, utilising organisational decision making and leadership skills in high pressure situations. Nathan runs Greenlight Marketers, who are a pay-per-click advertising agency ranked by Google as a top 1% premier partner. With over 30 years combined digital marketing experience, the Greenlight Marketers team knows what it takes to develop and execute an effective online marketing strategy and love helping make their clients successful by focusing on growing their bottom line revenue rather than vanity metrics. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, the InnovaBuzz podcast, then go to innovabiz.co forward slash flywheel, where you can access a free gift that my team and I made for you, a short audio book that walks you through every single step of the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered relationship-focused growth engine. In our conversation, Nathan talked to me about removing friction points on the customer journeys, making things easy for the customer. We talked about really knowing your customer and really caring about their success. And we talked about continuous learning and the concept of always be curious. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Nathan Barnes. Hi, 
I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from Midway, Utah in the United States, Nathan Barnes, who's the co-founder and CEO of Greenlight Marketers. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Nathan. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Pleasure to be here. Now, John Horn, who was our guest on episode 488 of the InnovaBuzz podcast, suggested that we get in touch with you, and he introduced us, and uh, that led to you being on the show here. So a big hello to John and big shout out to him. Absolutely. John's a great guy. Uh, appreciate the uh, referral. Now, Greenlight Marketers, you do a lot of work on uh, your tagline is making marketing easy, which I, I love, but you do a lot of work focused on generating results as opposed to the vanity metrics that a lot of people look at in terms of advertising or in terms of social media where they say, you know, we get so many hits or we get so many likes. Um, you're focused very much on, well, how much business does it generate, whatever initiative you're doing. So I'm really looking forward to exploring that some more and exploring that philosophy because it's very consistent with my approach as well. Uh, before we get started on that, though, what's the impact you're making in the world today, Nathan? Yeah, uh, one of the things that I really appreciate about you know, working in marketing is uh, we do work with a lot of nonprofits, uh, and so the ability to, to help them make an impact. Uh, but even then, beyond that, realizing that uh, even the businesses that we work with, we're making a difference uh, on them, on their employees, uh, in the lives of, of their customers, um, you know, being able to, to help them bring their, uh, their skills or their products uh, to market and, and have those products or skills benefit the lives of, uh, of all of their customers as well. So uh, it's not just, um, you know, not just, uh, I, I think it's easy to get myopic and look at, oh, what is the difference you're making in, in the world? And, you know, is it uh, you know, the volunteering you're doing or the, uh, you know, the nonprofits that you work with? But that's great. Uh, and I, I love to do all of that sort of thing as well. But realizing that we can make a difference even in uh, the, the, the business that we do um, and impact the lives of, of others. And, and uh, you know, if, if we are helping a business grow and succeed, uh, that's allowing their employees to put food on the table and provide for their families. And so uh, being able to make uh, an impact and, and see that impact multiplied. Hmm. Yes, that's, uh, that's something that I really get excited about all the time. It's, it's not just the impact you have on the person you're providing a service for, but it's enabling them to take their expertise and skills and impact a whole lot of other people. So it's a kind of a magnifier effect, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. All right. And um, what are the, you talk a lot about systems uh, for marketing mm -hmm. and, and I'm a very systems driven person. So talk to me a little bit about why is it important to build a whole system around your marketing program rather than just like look at what's out there and take a tactic and say, well, okay, this week I'm going to advertise on Facebook and, and then yeah. after a week, mm, didn't get any business out of that. So next week I'll, um, let's advertise on, I don't know, Google or Instagram and see what happens there. Talk to me about a systems approach to that and, and st being strategic. Yeah, great question. You know, one of the things that we realized pretty early on is um, if you're not accurately tracking the results that your advertising campaigns are driving, uh, then 
you're just kind of shooting in the dark. You, you don't really know the, the impact that uh, the campaigns are having. Um, and so when we start out working with a new client, uh, you know, the systems that we have in place are, it's really important that we help them be able to track all of those different ways that people are reaching out. If it's uh, lead generation of some sort, we want to be able to track if, if a person comes to the website and, and fills out that form, if they chat with them on the site, uh, if they pick up the phone and call them. Um, all of those things are, are really important for us to be able to, to track and then to be able to tie that data back into uh, the advertising platform that, that drove uh, that particular lead so that we can see the full scope and the full value that the campaigns are driving. Um, so that's, that's a big part of it. And then mm. not even just that, but then going beyond a, a step beyond that, if we look at, um, you know, look at the, the leads, say, that a campaign is driving, well, that's all well and good. And, and a client, you know, maybe we are able to drive a thousand leads for them. Uh, but what's happening to those leads once they hit the client's, uh, hit, hit the client's hands? Are those leads turning into sales? If not, then something's wrong. You know, they're wasting their money. Uh, it doesn't matter if you get thousands of leads if those leads aren't turning then into to sales. So uh, we really like to take a step back and, and help the client look at and focus on their bottom line. I know it's, it's very easy uh, to get distracted, like you said, by those vanity metrics. You know, here's how many clicks we drove or, or even how many leads we drove. Um, but if that's divorced from uh, the bottom line and the impact that that whatever your campaign is, is having on your bottom line, uh, the bottom line for your business, then uh, you're going to quickly run into problems. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. So what, what are some of the things that a company needs to have in place before they embark on a campaign like this so that it can be strategic and it can be systematic and they can um, understand what's actually happening with the campaign that they've set up and how, how they can then tweak it if things are not working out the way they want them to? Yeah, great question. I think there's a, a handful of things that are really important for um, a company to, to understand and to know before they get started with any sort of marketing initiative. Um, obviously, the first one would be, what is it that they're advertising? You know, <laughs> what is the offer? Um, <laughs> I, you'd be surprised how many times uh, working with a client and, and we say, okay, so what is it that you're actually offering? What are we advertising? Is it a, is it a free ebook? Is it a uh, consultation? Um, is it uh, a phone call, you know, to, with, uh, uh, with one of your reps uh, to learn more about your service? And the amount of times I've gotten just that blank look of, uh, I don't really know. What, what am I advertising? Uh, how are we going to get people in the door? Uh, so that's obviously uh, the priority number one. You know, what, is you, what are you going to actually advertise? Um, and then there's a bunch of other things like, uh, what are your margins? You know, if you are, uh, if it's an e-commerce business, uh, if they're selling something online, then you need to know what your margins are. And, and at least uh, an average across the board or uh, an average by category. Uh, so that we can effectively know uh, not just how much gross profit are we driving for you, but is that actually profitable once you account for you know, your cost of goods? And things. Mm. Um, it's also really important to know, you know, if it's an e-commerce business, what is your uh, conversion rate uh, on your website? You know, what percentage of people reach your website actually turn into sales? Uh, if you've been advertising for a little while, you, you may know that already historically if it's a brand new uh, we can go based on some just broader um, estimates uh, kind of in the industry. Um, lead, gen, same, lead generation, same sort of thing. You know, what are, uh, what's your close rate on those leads? If, if someone reaches out to you uh, via phone, is that different? Do you, are you 
more likely to close that lead than if they fill out a form on the website. Um, those types of things are, are really important to to know and to understand before you start advertising. Um, otherwise, you, know, you may get into it and be like, well, this isn't working. Why isn't this working? You know, we're getting all these leads coming in, but we're not closing them. Why? Hmm. Um, yeah, you it's touched also really on. To, yeah, go touch. Sorry. You touched there on a number of different touch points, if you like, with potential clients. Um, mm-hmm. And they visit your website, they might call you, they might um, sign up for a, a free ebook. Um, were some of the ones that I heard. And it occurs to me that in a campaign that we might want to run as a marketing campaign, it is important to know what, what are the different journeys that people might take through this particular path. And there's a whole raft of them that, um, that it, I find that people tend to think that there's one customer journey. So somebody discovers you, somebody mm-hmm. connects with you, um, and of course, at each each of those points, there's a choice that they abandon the journey. But let's just mm-hmm. take it forward from there. Somebody connects with you. Uh, there's some form of conversation, and then they decide to buy your product or service. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. a lot more complex than that, isn't it? So talk to us a little bit more about how can we set up um, or how can we map out this customer journey in a way that it actually feeds into the marketing system and then gives us a lot of uh, measurements or metrics that we can use at each of these touch points. So what's working and and why are people, um, let's say when they land on the website, not taking the next step? Why are they abandoning there? And yet if they phone us and talk to one of the reps, we're actually turning a lot of those people into customers. So obviously that part's working, but that other part, something's yep. not right there. Yeah, fantastic question. Um, there's a lot of different things that, that our team does uh, when working with a client to try and help them identify those those touch points, how are people are interacting, uh, why they may be falling off. Um, you know, what, One thing that we, we utilize, uh, and I know a lot of other agencies do as well, is uh, call tracking. Uh, so um, essentially the way that that works is uh, we install uh, some code on their website and we use a, a third-party call uh, tracking system. So that if someone clicks through from an ad and lands on their website, uh, the phone number that they see is actually a call tracking number. It, it swaps out dynamically. Uh, and then when they call that number, that call can be recorded. Uh, and all of the details from, say, Google Ads, if they click on Google Ad. Uh, about where that person came from can be passed through into that call system. So we're able to then see on the back end, hey, here's what they searched for. Here's the ad that they clicked on. It came from this campaign. Um, and then we can tie that data in to, um, to that call. And then our team goes through and we go through and check each of those calls to say, was this a good valid lead? Uh, are there things that are happening taking place on, on that uh, phone call? Maybe that, uh, maybe you have a sales rep who's just not doing a very good job. Uh, or maybe we start to identify certain common questions that are frequently asked coming up. And then we're able to give that feedback to, uh, to our client and say, Hey, you know, here, this particular uh, sales rep, uh, just is having a hard time with this type of question. You know, you might want to do some additional training here. Or, uh, we can say, uh, Hey, this particular question is coming up a lot. Uh, you know, there may, it may be well, worth, uh, while to, to add, um, information on the website. 
to be able to proactively address that question so that people aren't having to call you. Because you know that for every person that calls in and asks that question, there are many more who had that same question, but just didn't take the time to, to, or, and bother to call in. Mm-hmm. Um, also taking the time to, you know, you want to be able to provide people as many different ways for them to take the action that you want as possible. So, you know, if your goal is to generate leads for your company, uh, you want to give them the option to call you. Uh, but some people may not be in a position when they they find you come to your website to to take a call or make a call at that point, uh, and so they'd rather chat with you uh, via you know, a chat pop up box, or they'd rather fill out a form uh, on the site and have you get back to them. So giving those clear call to actions, providing uh, easy ways for people to to take that action, uh, is going to be really really important. Um, no, those are a few things. Uh, there's mm. certainly more, but those are a few that that come to mind. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the philosophies that I really like there, and I think people really forget about this in business, and that's to make it really easy for the customer. Um, yes. Stop stop putting barriers in their way. And, and there's a Absolutely. there's a saying that um, in in one of the training programs I did for a consultancy that um, consultancy program that I was interested in. Um, licensing they had this expression called waymish which i always remember and it's basically it's basically why are you making it so hard <laughs> and, and i think of that so often when i mm-hmm. when i'm doing a personal purchase or a business purchase and i'm looking at yes. something and i think oh this is this is really they're making it very hard and i have i have to say that i have um ended up paying a little bit more for a product mm. because mm-hmm. I've gotten to the point where I was just so frustrated how difficult they were making it for me to put. I was, I was like, I decided this is what I want and I've gone yes. to the, I put it in the cart and I was going to payment. I wanted to find out the shipping cost or something, something like that at the end. And I thought, this is just so hard. What was that other website uh-huh. that I had that was a little bit more expensive? And that turned out to be a lot easier. And I thought, well, my time, you know, the, the extra $10 or whatever I spent, my time's yep. actually worth that. So because they've made it so hard, they lost the business. And I think that philosophy is something that people kind of overlook a lot. Mm-hmm. I know the military has a, a very similar saying, uh, a kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, yeah. So I like that. Weamish. I'll have to remember it. <laughs> okay. Now, um, there have been quite a lot of changes. And I mean, I know I know of um, the one where Apple have um, integrated um, different privacy settings into their mm-hmm. new iPhones and their new um, software that drives them. And it's certainly caught the attention of some of the competitors. There was... Um, I think there was a huge dump in the share price of one of the, uh, uh, it might have even been Facebook, because in their annual report, they said this is really going to impact on how their whole advertising works and and their advertising revenue. Um, Tell us a little bit more about what are some of those significant changes that are taking place and what should business owners be aware of in terms of uh, the impact that's going to have on how they run their marketing programs. Yeah, great question. Um, definitely seeing, and it's not just Facebook, but Facebook is is a prime example, uh, especially as we've seen over the last year here. But more and more of a shift away from uh, the, that cookie data 
where you know in the past uh, and still is is largely in effect if you visit a website there's a, a cookie that uh, is installed from that site on on your browser to track that you've been to the site and the actions you take on the site and, and such um but google facebook all of the advertising platforms are, are slowly trying to shift away from that and more towards what they call first party data uh, data that you personally provide to a site about yourself um, you know, if, if you are a, a customer and you check out, say, uh, on a Shopify site, you provide all that information, that website now has that information and they're able to then, they can provide that data to, to Google about, you know, hey, this is the, a customer that purchased. Um, one of the big things that we saw uh, with Facebook this last year because of that, uh, the iOS uh, changes is, well, there were two things that, that happened. One, um, Anybody who is on an iPhone, uh, who you know is within an app, uh, say Facebook, um, has the ability to opt out, and they're proactively asked, "Would you like to opt out of being tracked?" Um, and so, you know, if that happens, uh, Facebook can no, can no longer track what a person does uh, from within their Facebook app, and by extension, if they click on an ad and visit somebody's website, that's not able to be not able to be fully tracked. There are some um, some things that they can still track. It just, without getting into to, to a ton of detail, uh, it makes it much more difficult for Facebook to track. Uh, the other thing that happened uh, as part of that was Facebook changed uh, their attribution. So uh, previous to that, they would allow you to track actions that took place uh, up to 28 days after someone clicked on your ad. So uh, we, we've seen this affect uh, and impact uh, clients, especially if they have a longer sales cycle. Um, you know, not everybody is not every purchase is an impulse purchase. Not everybody that clicks on that is going to buy right away. Um, now, Facebook only allows you to track those actions up to seven days after that click. So if someone clicks on your ad and comes back eight days later and, and makes a purchase or fills out a lead form or calls you, uh, Facebook's not going to be able to track that any longer. Uh, so the combination of, of those two things, we've definitely seen a, a pretty significant decrease in the uh, the leads and the conversions that Facebook can track from the campaigns. Um, you know, 20, 30 percent decrease in, in the leads that are being reported is, is not uh, uncommon. Um, and so uh, I think it becomes all the more important for you to be able to, you know, for advertisers to be able to uh, get people to take an action quickly. Uh, to to make it as easy as possible for them to take that action that they want for, and for advertisers to collect whatever information they can from that person uh, more quickly. So if you have a, a product, maybe it's a, a, you know, a, a big software as a service product or it's a business to business product and, and you know, maybe there's a longer sales cycle, getting someone to reach out to you to fill out a form, to download a free white paper, um, to schedule an initial consultation, in those those micro steps, instead of asking them to take the full action that you want, be able to capture if you can capture their name and their email address, then you can set up a drip stream email and, and follow up with them and, and sell them on the full product. But you have a way then to continue to follow up with them and continue that conversation. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's great advice. And you mentioned something earlier that I think um, is another little tactic that's often overlooked. And the philosophy really is simply ask people how they found you. Um, you talked about uh, having unique mm -hmm. phone numbers depending on where they come in. So a lot of what you've just described there can be set up with 
some neat little tricks such as if I do advertisement A on Facebook, put in this phone number. So I know anybody that comes through that phone number yes. is from that advertisement and I don't need Facebook to be tracking things for me. I, I've got a mm -hmm. system set up where I can actually know, okay, that, that advertisement gave me so many phone calls because they were they were using that number and that's the only place that number yep. pops up. And, and likewise, if you're doing A-B testing, you can have different phone numbers for the different ads. Um, the other thing you mentioned there that I think is is really important and, and I'd like to talk to you about this a little bit more is the use of a so-called lead magnet. I mean, I don't really like the term a mm -hmm. lead magnet, but it's really something something of value that we give people for in exchange yes. for their email address and the, the important thing is that email these days i mean email is kind of this ubiquitous thing where everybody's inboxes is full of so much stuff that they overlook most yeah. of it and yet it's still such a powerful medium for mm -hmm. beginning that conversation beginning that customer journey so talk to us a little bit more about um, the use of email in in this context yeah one of the things that we um, you know, recommend for all of our clients is, is that they have and develop a, a comprehensive uh, email follow-up um, system. You know, and, and it's going to vary from client to client on, on what they need. And uh, you know, if, it, uh, if they're selling something online that's an e-commerce client, uh, being able to set up a, just a, a, a cart abandonment email to remind people, hey, you left this in your cart. You didn't finish checking out. Here's a coupon for 10%. Come back and you know, finish, complete your purchase. Um, if they are, you know, if they have made a purchase, uh, being able to develop and, and start to continue that conversation with them, encourage them to come back, let them know about sales that you're offering. Uh, and on the lead generation side of things, um, you know, having a way, uh, that you can follow up with that person, um, continue the conversation, educate them about your product or service. Uh, and, it, and it varies from business to business on, on what you need. Uh, some of our clients, you know, that's two or three emails that follow, follow up with them, you know, over the course of a handful of days. Uh, some of them, it's much longer and they, they go into their regular email list and they're, they're continuing to email them ongoing for, you know, the next year or two years or however long they, they stay subscribed to that list. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, um, a really valuable tool to have is is the email and you mentioned something there uh, well you mentioned a couple of things that i'd like to sort of link together one is this idea of the cart abandonment and i um i see so many people sending me emails saying oh you popped this in your cart you forgot to complete the purchase mm -hmm. and and i keep thinking no nobody forgets to complete the purchase i mean <laughs> uh -huh. yet, yes yes there might have been something somebody might have phoned up just as I was about to hit the buy button and then I then I got distracted and onto other yeah. things but as a rule most people get to that stage and there's still another touch point to go and it might be wamish or it might be they've mm -hmm. changed their mind so it's I kind of think that this card abandonment email like you forgot to make the purchase is a bit arrogant self-serving and and um yeah, a bit insulting when I see it. And I, I tell people, hey, there's a different way to do that. Yes, card abandonment yeah. email is probably a good thing to do, but the better way to do it is along the lines of 
I see I see you placed product X or service X mm-hmm. in the list and you didn't follow through with the the purchase, which is a statement of fact. I'm really yep. curious as to what happened and what made you change your mind, which is then yes. giving them an out. It, it basically says, look, I understand. You, you've made a choice here. You had another choice at that moment mm-hmm. and you made a choice. And then saying, here's something that can help you with the next step. So it might be the, and this is where I'm linking in what you talked about, educating people. So those mm-hmm. emails have to be educational. And I think the um, card abandonment email can be a really powerful tool if it's used in that way to educate people then to say, well, um, let's say it's a, it's a health product, for example, and mm-hmm. at the last minute they decided not to buy the supplement. You could send them some more information about um, the, the issue that that supplement addresses mm-hmm. and say, here's, here's some other ways you can um, deal with this issue or here's some tips as to you know, improving that situation. So actually giving them something of value in the form of information and education. Yes. I love that. that yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, and, and sometimes um, what you can offer is you know, maybe a discount. Hey, we see that you didn't complete this purchase. Um, here's, you know, here's 10% off, uh, if you'd like to come back and complete the purchase, uh, along with what you're saying of, you know, see if you can solicit that information. Why did you not complete the purchase? Mm. Um, you know, some companies we've worked with will use, uh, you know, there are third party uh, companies that will do a, a follow-up customer, uh, survey and asking them about their experience and, and why did you abandon, uh, that's completely anonymous and, and run by a third party. And so oftentimes in that case, people might feel more comfortable with sharing that information. Mm. Um, I've seen, you know, some, some of our clients will do something like, uh, offer a, a consultation. Hey, you know, maybe you didn't have quite the information that you need to be able to make a decision. Would it mm. help for us to, you know, hop on a call with you and, and, talk about the different options and, and help you find the the product or the service that's going to be the right fit for you. Mm, yeah, that, that's another really good way to do it. And and what you said there is, is I think that's really important, is taking the responsibility for yes. um, their decision. So they've made a decision at the last minute. They were mm-hmm. almost at the point of purchase and for whatever reason decided not to purchase if the business takes the responsibility. Well, clearly, you still had some open questions, and we failed yes. in answering those up front. Um, so, let's get on a call to discuss those. Mm-hmm. Is is another good approach? Yeah, absolutely, mm. love it. And that holds true not just in email. That holds true across mm. the board. As as a business, our customers should always be the priority, and we should always be looking to proactively identify those those pain points. What is it that are, is keeping a, a potential customer from becoming a customer? Uh, what is it that, you know, is there something that we are not answering, questions that we are not answering? Is there something that they're seeing that is uh, maybe scaring them off uh, or making them uncomfortable? Uh, and, you know, the more that we can put ourselves in the customer's shoes and and look for how we can help them accomplish their goals, the more effective we're going to be. And that holds true for marketing, too. You know, as as a marketing agency, uh, I tell our team all the time, look, 
our goal, your job is to, to view yourself as, re, as, as an extension of our client's company. If mm-hmm. we are helping our clients be successful, helping them grow their bottom line, and they know that we have their best interest at heart, uh, then those co- hard conversations that come up, because let's face it, there always will be mm-hmm. those things that you have to work through and, and uh, those, those challenges. Um, you know, if they know that you're telling them you shouldn't do this and they don't like to hear that, but they know that you're telling them that because you care about them and their business, it makes things go so much smoother. And, and ultimately, you know, everybody wins. Hmm. Yes, that's great advice. Gold right there. Um, I think it was Mark Schaefer on the episode we had him on that says, um, and he says this in his one of his books that the business that outcares their competition will win. Hmm. Um, yeah, um, yeah. The Mar- I can't remember the exact name of the book, but it's it, the philosophy is human marketing or hmm. marketing, you know, marketing, yeah. marketing human, which is our our tagline. Yep, hmm. absolutely. Yeah, one of the things that you work a lot on with people is marketing events so tell us a little bit about um are there any significant differences about marketing events rather uh, as opposed to marketing a physical product or a software as a service type product and if so what what's unique about events that um that we need to be aware of if we're doing that yeah good question um we've worked with a wide variety of, of different events, uh, e-commerce, lead generation, um, and, and each are going to be a, a little bit different. Um, you know, we, we tell people we're pretty v- vertical agnostic when it comes to uh, the, the types of um, channels that, or uh, businesses that we work with. The, the, one of the things that's very unique about events is, um, you know, you have a, a definite end time. Um, unlike mm-hmm. an e-commerce product, uh, as long as people are still buying the product, you can sell the product. Uh, you know, a service, uh, if you're a plumber, well, people are always going to need plumbing services. Uh, but if you're marketing an event, then, uh, you know, you, the, the date of the event, you can't advertise that event beyond the date of the event. Mm. Uh, so it definitely sets a timeline there. Um, and then depending on the, the type of event that people are, that, that you're marketing, um, sometimes you, you have to wait and to start marketing the event until a certain point as well. You know, um, depending on, on what that event is, you may be able to market a year in advance, but most events, uh, especially if it's a, a local event, um, you're probably going to be marketing it several, a few weeks to a month in advance. Um, if it's, uh, you know, an event that requires people to travel, you're probably, um, you know, going to be marketing it several months in advance, mm. um, up until, uh, and you may, uh, end, uh, your marketing efforts a week or two weeks or a month before the event. Uh, depending on the, the type of event that, that you're promoting. Uh, so those are a couple of things that, that immediately stand out um, as being different from marketing, say, a, uh, you know, a service uh, that's ongoing or, or uh, a, a product, a physical product. Hmm. Yeah, the timing is, is a big one. Um, one of the things that occurred to me there is is using webinars in that and you mentioned earlier that often mm-hmm. there's open questions that are a friction point or a, a resistance point on that customer journey to a sale uh, 
What's what's your view on using webinars as a tool to answer those questions, and particularly in in the case of events? And I'm thinking uh, big big ticket events where it's a, a significant purchase, so that mm -hmm. the question of as a, as a potential customer of an event, the question I have is, will this event give me a good return on on the investment yes. I'm making in that because I have to spend several thousand dollars on travel I have to spend you know mm -hmm. several hundred on accommodation while I'm staying there for the event the event registration might cost a lot mm -hmm. and it might be the kind of event where it's it's a training event so we've got lots of high profile trainers yeah. as well so it might be several thousands of dollars that uh, mm -hmm. the event cost itself is as well so what are your thoughts on using webinars to start to answer questions, to start to build relationships with people that are interested so that there's this connection developing before um, that final mm -hmm. decision comes up? Yeah, I think that's a, a great way to do it. Uh, a, a lot of big events like that will also take, um, take sessions that they recorded at the previous event. Mm -hmm. um, and, and use clips from those sessions or maybe make entire sessions available um, as, uh, as helpful resources for people, um, mm -hmm. whether that's making those available for free or uh, making those available for purchase uh, after that fact. And then that can be very, very helpful in helping someone who's considering attending the, the following event, the next event that occurs, to be able to, uh, to view uh, those sessions uh, or portions of those sessions, clips from those sessions to, to gauge the, um, the benefit that they think they'll receive from actually attending that event in person. Uh, there's always things that, you know, the, attending event in person, um, there, there are benefits, intangible benefits that you receive that you can't get from a webinar. Mm. Uh, the networking opportunity, a lot of those things you, you just you can't replace and, or replicate in a webinar. Uh, but being able to make those sessions available, that's a, it's a very effective way to do that. Um, plus, it allows you to, especially if uh, an event is selling those sessions, um, either individually or as a package, um, that could be a, a great way for them to supplement the income from mm. the actual ticket registrations for the event itself. Uh, and then also... Um, you know, I know a lot of events will do, uh, like you said, a short webinar or webinars in advance, maybe with some of the key speakers or with uh, the event hosts um, to, to answer questions. To Sometimes it's more interactive. Uh, they'll have people actually ask questions during the, the course of the webinar. Sometimes it's more informational where it's you know, like a pre-recorded webinar um, with slides or things of that nature. Uh, but, that can, but both of those can be very, very effective. Mm. Yeah, lots of great tips there. All right, well, this has been great, Nathan. I really appreciate all the ideas you've shared and the philosophy that you've espoused there, which is keep things really simple, make sure you're tracking stuff and focus on educating. I think those are three important points that have come out. It's a good point now, I think, to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. That's the same five questions I ask of every guest. So the idea is you'll give us some really insightful answers to inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. So you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right, let's go. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think for me personally, the thing that uh, has been most helpful in allowing uh, 
me to innovate in my life is taking the time that I need to, to recharge personally. Uh, I find if I'm just go, 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 and, you know, you get super busy with work and, and allow all of the, uh, the tyranny of the urgent to, to take over, uh, and I don't take that time to, to clear my head, uh, whether that's go for a walk, uh, get out uh, and, you know, go for a hike. Uh, my wife and I moved uh, to, to Utah um, not quite two years ago from, from Texas, from Fort Worth. Uh, we were in Texas for, for nearly six years, uh, and that's where Greenlight Marketers was started. Uh, but we moved here because we uh, I missed being able to be outdoors and all of the outdoor activities. So wanted to be cl- that closer to the mountains. So for me, um, I like to try and in the winter get out and ski, even if it's for an hour or two, mm. uh, just to be able to uh, to have that personal time to be able to recharge, clear my head. Uh, if I you know, go for a mountain bike, uh, go out for a walk, uh, and just be able to take that time to uh, to refresh, to recharge, and I find that I'm so much more productive. Uh, when I come back. And oftentimes during that time, that will spark ideas yeah. that I can then come back and flesh out. Uh, I know, um, you know, listening to uh, your, your conversation with Wade Galt about the three-day weekend, uh, that was really uh, encouraging uh, and, and inspiring for me and, and some of the ideas that he had for taking that personal time to, to make sure that you're able to be more effective um, and, and more innovative in the times that you are working. Hmm. Yeah, that, I think that's a really important point, and I certainly find. I mean, sometimes you've got this deadline, or you've got this thing that needs to be finished by a certain time, and you're stuck on something, and you think mm-hmm. I can't afford to go outside and go for. In my case, it's often a bike ride, or or take uh-huh. a day off to um, go and take some photographs. You know, they're they're my kind of hobby passions, and yes. yet. The counterintuitive thing is, if I do that, I can actually finish whatever it is, mm-hmm. usually in less time. Usually I'll have some form of inspiration while I'm doing the other thing yep. that, ah, oh, that's the answer to that, that issue. And Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, quite amazing. All right. Now, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Uh, tying in with that, uh, you know, taking the time to, to recharge. Um, but always be curious, uh, you know, never stop learning never stop asking questions. Uh, and, you know, oftentimes, um, the, the times when we've been able to help a client really break through, uh, with an, an issue they're having, uh, being able to just ask lots of questions mm-hmm. and really get into the mind of, of our customer or their customer that we're, we're trying to help a client, um, and understand, what is their pain point? What are their problems? How can we, we then help solve those problems? So, yeah, uh, curiosity, uh, never never stop learning, never stop asking questions. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and I, I, it occurred to me that that's ABC. So instead of always be closing, always be curious. So I like that yes. version. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Yeah, uh, there's a few things. Um, you know, I'm on a, I'm a Mac user. Uh, and so one mm-hmm. of the things that's been really, really helpful for me and being able to, to stay on top of things, uh, is I, I use a program called Spark, uh, which is an email client. Um, there's something similar called Boomerang for Gmail users, uh, mm-hmm. that allows you to, uh, be able to, um, follow up. It'll automatically remind you, uh, you can set a reminder to, to follow up on email if you haven't heard back an answer. Uh, it allows you to snooze an email to, to come back later uh, to uh, 
to, to address it at that point. Um, and a lot of really handy tools that uh, allow me to be able to keep on top of all of the email communication, uh, make sure that I'm actually responding in time in the manner, make sure that I'm uh, following up if I need something from someone and, and I haven't heard back, it'll remind me to, to follow up on that. Uh, so those are a couple of things that, that mm. I found very, very helpful. Yeah, I love love those tools. I, I'm not familiar with Spark because I'm not a, a Mac user, but I have used Boomerang in the past. I use one called Gmailius now, which does very oh, similar nice. things. Mm -hmm. So, it, um, And I have it combined with some other tools that automatically sort my email based on who yes. it's from and the subject matter so that um, my inbox itself will only have about 10 or 15 emails in it mm -hmm. each day because they're the only ones that go through the all the filters and still filters. end up being important and have to be dealt with right then and there. And even then, I, I will use the Gmailist tool, which is very similar to Boomerang, to say, well, that doesn't need to happen today. That can be done in a week's mm -hmm. time. Or if I Absolutely. send someone an email, I can say, remind me in a week's time if I haven't heard back um, to mm -hmm. follow up and, and those kind of things. So, yeah, that really valuable. There's so many valuable tools for email that can make email dealing with email much easier as opposed to it being a drain because it can <laughs> yeah. very easily become a, a massive it drain Absolutely. can very easily yeah all right um what's the best way to keep a client on track i think setting expectations up front uh both on what a client should expect from from you uh, as well as what you need from them um, oftentimes, uh, it's easy to overlook one or the other of those. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I find if, if we set those expectations, hey, here's what, uh, here's what the timeline's going to look like on our end. Here's what we're going to be doing during that timeline. Here's what to expect. You know, once we launch campaigns, uh, you know, if you're a brand new company and you've never advertised, you're not going to expect to just be, you know, raking in the cash day one. Uh, it's going to take some time to, to learn and, and to test and, and figure out what works and what works well for you and, and you know, start to hone in on those uh, aspects of, of the marketing program that are, are, are effective and are working well. Start to eliminate those aspects that aren't working as well. So setting those expectations, not only of, of what to expect from us, but then what we need from them to be successful. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had clients... Um, you know, clients will just disappear. Uh, we'll, we'll start running campaigns and then, you know, we'll need things from them. Um, and if we can't get that, then we can't help them be successful. Um, you know, on, for us, uh, we find it very, very important to have uh, at least a monthly check-in call with clients where we can review uh, the performance of their campaigns, talk about upcoming initiatives, uh, talk about what they're seeing on, the, on their end, the things that we can't see, you know, what's happening with those leads once uh, they come in. Um, and if we if we don't have that opportunity to to get the feedback from them and be able to look at the data together and talk about uh, everything um, over time, it may not happen right away. But over time, performance definitely is going to start to to lag. Um, hmm. And so, you know, letting them know, hey, this is a two way street. You know, we're, we're partners in this, um, and we need you to be invested in your success as well as us being invested in your success. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of really important points there. I think the onboarding process is so important with clients and setting yes. those expectations up front. Here's here's what you expect you can expect from us, and then mm -hmm. here's what we need from you, and then the regular communication, of course. The um, yeah, often people don't do that onboarding so well, um, and and yet mm -hmm. 
Um, sometimes that is the difference between having good relationships with a client or not, because if there's no Absolutely. expectation set up front, then um, the client will set their own expectations and they may, may be well beyond what you can deliver. <laughs> mm -hmm. For sure. All right, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Uh, this actually kind of ties in uh, a little bit with what we were just talking about, but um, viewing yourself as an extension of your, your client's business mm. um, and focusing on what's best for them. Um, as we talked a little bit about earlier, you know, if they know that you have their best interest at heart and you want what's best for their company, uh, even if you have to have those hard conversations of, hey, this isn't working. Uh, and we've had uh, clients where we've come to them and we said, we've tried this, 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 and this. Uh, we don't see a path forward for this being successful. Uh, and I'd rather let you know that now than you know, two, three months down the line, you get upset and, and you know, when you realize that it's not going to work. Um, I'd rather tell you up front, hey, we don't see a path forward for this being successful. You know, maybe the business model needs to change. Maybe um, they're just not competitive with uh, the other you know, the competition that's out there. And uh, so I'd rather have those hard conversations, um, but have those hard conversations in the context of them knowing that we want what's best for them. Mm. And that makes such a world of difference if if they know that you truly care. Yeah, yeah. That's there's that. Out caring the competition, really caring about the client exactly. success message again. Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, thanks, Nathan. This has been absolutely fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you, about Greenlight Marketing, and maybe even get in touch and say thanks for what you've shared? Yeah, absolutely. They can reach us on our website, greenlightmarketers.com. Uh, we also uh, have a Facebook page and uh, uh, Instagram uh, but uh, the website is, is the best way to reach us if you uh, want to, to be able to chat. All right. Well, we'll post links in the show notes and it's Greenlight Marketers, not marketing. Correct. Uh, as I said Marketers, earlier. plural. Marketers, yeah. All right. All right. Do you have some parting advice, Nathan, for our listeners today? I, I think, um, as we've already talked about a little bit, never stop learning. Hmm. Uh, always, always be curious, always be questioning, always be looking to improve yourself, uh, always be looking to, uh, to, to improve the, the lives of uh, those around you and, and your customers, your clients, um, and, and be looking to, to help them uh, because um, you know, growing those relationships, um, as the old saying goes, it really isn't about what you know who you know really, really matters. Um, mm. and, and you can know, have all the information and, and all the knowledge in the world, uh, but if you have no way to, uh, to communicate that to others, if you have no way to, um, to network and to you know, work with others and, and learn from them, um, you're not going to go very far in life. And, and so uh, I really appreciate you having me on today. This has been wonderful. Uh, I, I love listening to your show, and, and so it's a real pleasure and honor to, to be able to, to chat with you today. And, uh, hopefully some of the things we talked about were, were helpful for, uh, for your listeners as well. Well, thanks, Nathan. Yeah, and, and you know, taking out of that is the always be learning, always be curious. I love that ABC now. I'll think of that very different now. <laughs> and yes. also building those human connections that um, mm -hmm. allows you to, A, learn and then share the knowledge that you have and that you gain on the journey with others. 
Wonderful. Absolutely. All right, finally, who else should I get on the show and why? You know, one of the uh, uh, one of the authors and podcast hosts that's been a, a huge influence on me um, is uh, Jocko Willink uh, and Leif Babin. Uh, they wrote the uh, book Extreme Ownership, uh, The Dichotomy of Ownership is another book, uh, really talking about how, as leaders, we uh, need to take ownership for what happens in our businesses, uh, in our teams, uh, and being able to um, to implement that, that's something that I'm striving to implement uh, more effectively in, in our business. Um, I know he's got a podcast already, uh, but uh, I think that he would be a fantastic um, guest. And, and I think that, that your listeners would uh, learn a lot from him as well. Okay. Do you know him personally? <clears throat> I don't. I wish. Okay. I wish I All did. Right. But, well, uh, we'll, we'll just find a way a to... His- We'll find a way to connect with him. I'm not familiar with those books or, or with that podcast, so I'll dig into that. Find a way to connect with, is it John? <clears throat> uh, Jocko, J-O-C-K-O, uh, Willink is his last name. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we'll find a book, Extreme Ownership. Extreme Ownership, right. So we'll find a way to connect with Jocko and reach out to him and see what happens if we can get him on the show. Thanks so much, Nathan, I really appreciate you sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today. I've really enjoyed the conversation. We've touched on a lot of different points, but I think the the key kind of theme throughout is um, really caring about your customer's success. Always be curious, always keep learning, and then some tactical things around how you can make the customer journey as easy as possible for your for your prospective customers from the moment they discover you right through to when they do decide to make a purchase and also how to put measures in place that give you information about the success of all of the initiatives that you're taking and how you might be able to improve those. So thanks for that. Really enjoyed it. And um, all the best for the future and let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that insightful and really engaging conversation with Nathan and took something away from his episode. So why don't you, right now, listening at home, think about your customers' journeys? Yes, there are many paths. No customer journey is linear. I invite you to map out all the steps and identify all the touch points at each level of every journey. Then, Speak to some of your customers to find out how you might be able to make things easier for them at each touch point. Remember, Waymish, why are you making it so hard? What can you simplify and make easier for your customers on their journey? Nathan's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Nathan Barnes. That is N-A-T-H-A-N-B-A-R-N-E-S, all lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Nathan Barnes. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Nathan, as well as links to the Greenlight Marketer's website, his social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation. Now it's time for the challenge. If you loved this conversation, and I'm sure you did, and you think it'd be useful to one other person, then 
go ahead, share the conversation with that one other person. They'll be forever grateful. And then go ahead and listen to one more episode that we've published in the past. Pick your favourite number or have a quick look through the list and pick something that grabs your fancy. Between now and the next episode, listen to that one episode and then write me a note on LinkedIn. Tell me which episode you picked, why you picked it, what your biggest takeaway was and most importantly, what was the action you took as a result. Nathan suggested that we have a conversation with Jocko Willink, author of Extreme Ownership and host of the Jocko podcast on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Jocko, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast courtesy of Nathan Barnes. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode so that we can get to know you and why you listen. Also, it will help us make the podcast even better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred platform. And you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, go to innovabuzz.co forward slash flywheel, where you can access a free gift my team and I made for you, a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.